Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyTShirt.com. Take a second to rate us and review us on however you get your podcast uh, content, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, any of that. Drop us a rating and review. Also, if you're listening on YouTube, subscribe. Uh, you know, you get Inside Carolina content. comes straight to your phone. Can't beat it. Ton of it. Football season is here. Carolina wins 31-6 to over Syracuse in Keenan Stadium. With that means the day after podcast. I am Tommy Ashley. As I've said, if you're on YouTube, you know that to my left is Mr. Buck Sanders president of Inside Carolina and regular on the day after podcast and down at the bottom in virtual West well, Sunday so I won't say that but in, in a heated situation Mr. Jason Staples joins the show this is fine guy <laughs> Jason uh, I'll come to you in just a second but Buck we've been watching Carolina football for years and talking about wins especially P5 wins um, after the first week of the season, hadn't been a, a thing too much. The last person to have back-to-back -back wins in P5 openers was a guy named Mac Brown back in the 90s. Mac has done it again, but Syracuse comes in, leaves town uh, with a whooping, ultimate whooping. Your overall thoughts on what you saw Saturday? Well, um, the way I mainly look at it is uh, if you're playing the expectations game, uh, you came into this game thinking that North Carolina's offense was going to set the world on fire. And you came into it with a little bit of concern about the defensive line and how the defense was going to do, and if they were going to be better and all of that. And if you're going to measure the Syracuse game against those expectations, then UNC's offense didn't play well. And North Carolina's defense played very well. Uh, don't look now, but guess who's number one in the nation in uh, defensive passing per yards attempt? Wow. Said never. 8.65. Uh, and, and they're like top 10 in every defensive category in the nation. I don't really expect that to hold up uh, over the course of the season. Uh, in fact, I know it won't hold up over the course of the season. It might still look good after the Charlotte game, but uh, if you were just thinking about it in terms of your expectations of, you know, how this game was going to go, and what it might look like, you come out saying, wow, you know, the defense looks great. Um, or if you're Tommy Ashley and you predicted North Carolina would score 52 points, you, you might say, wow, this offense is really underwhelming me here. 
So, you know, I think it's uh, at the point where we should put our expectations behind us a little bit. I think North Carolina's offense did what they had to do. I think Syracuse sort of uh, took away the deep ball from them. And I think they had the scheme and the personnel to do that. I don't think every team will. Um, and I don't think that North Carolina is going to face another offense quite as uh, overwhelmed as Syracuse offense was yesterday. Uh, Inept might game, be a good word. <laughs> huh? Inept might be a word for Syracuse's yeah. offense. And you know, Bad. Uh, uh, before the yesterday, everybody might have thought Syracuse was the uh, 14th best team in the league. Now I think they're after yesterday they're going to say that Syracuse is the 15th uh, after Georgia Tech's win over <coughs> uh, this other team in Tallahassee. You're going to put you're going to put Syracuse behind Florida State? No, <laughs> Georgia Tech. Oh, so. Yeah, and then you put Florida State at 16th, right there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, he, he's not going for the, the bait, is he, Tommy? He's, he is. He's he not is not. The bait. Watching that uh, – we're not getting sidetracked. This is the Inside Calling Podcast. But watching that Georgia Tech-Florida State game, I see all these guys on Florida State sidelines, and I'm thinking, that's a dang near pro team. And they play like a dang near high school team. They uh they have issues, Jason. I'll let you handle that with your uh, Florida State brethren. Let let's. I was going to start on offense for Carolina, but let's start on the defensive side of the ball, Jason. I, in my pregame show, I stole from Taylor Vipolis and I said Tamari Fox might be the breakout guy. I thought he looked really good against Syracuse, and and Syracuse had some. We talked about their mishmash. Um, offensive line but they had a couple guys up there that had played and been successful but I thought Fox Tamari both of them actually uh, both Foxes looked really good yesterday I, I think I think you're right I actually thought it was kind of fun at, at, at different points watching those guys involved in and tackle well I guess it's outside linebacker you know technically but you know edge tackle uh, stunts where you'd see the one brother go one place and the other brother go the other place. And, you know, it's still a Fox coming through that hole, but uh, you know, it's just a different one than, than how they were lined up. And it was kind of, kind of fun realizing, realizing that those are, that that's a pair of brothers, but, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, what they, what we saw up front and again, it's a bad offensive line that they played. I want to, I want to emphasize that because not everybody that they're going to play is going to be that overmatched in that sense. But, what we saw from the defensive front was, for the most part, I mean, as I went through my preseason scouting reports, I gave, you know, well, you know, this is the, this is the stuff that you hope gets improved here. Here's where you hope this guy steps into this role and is able to do this and this because here's a limitation, but can he do this? If he can do this, then they'll be okay. For the most part, we saw from that front those guys did did in game one what I was suggesting needed to be done at those spots. I mean, I, I the guy that stood out to me the most is actually Vohasek uh, in terms of his ability to uh, both compress the pocket. I mean, there were a couple times where he had the uh, he had the center in the lap of the quarterback, or you know, basically driving him back into the running back. 
So he had that. And then there were other times where he was able to, uh, to d- win with quickness on, on some things. And then you add that Tamari, like you said, stood out as well. I mean, two sacks on the day. You're looking at two guys that really needed to be good for Carolina and needed to, to take a step forward for Carolina to be what they're hoping to be this year. And both guys appeared to me to have taken a nice step forward from last year. I mean, neither guy is quite what they had from, you know, the, the pair that they had last year, but you can't expect that. But it looked, it looked very encouraging to me from, from those spots. I think those two guys in particular uh, – it was encouraging to see all, all, all day. But when I look at that, we, we talked, and if, if Carolina can figure out a guy to command the double team there, like Jason said, Vohasek was able to, to – he's going to have to – eventually he's going to command that double team that Carolina needs. But benefiting from that, um, I think – is your linebacker play. And we've talked about Chaz Surratt forever, but I thought Jeremiah Gimmel looked like a different player. Uh, I mean, he was good last year at times. He looked like if I had to pick the two and I didn't know which one of those guys was Chaz Surratt or which one of those guys had the height, yesterday I would have said it was the Gimmel fella. Look, that's big for Carolina to have not one, but now two linebackers that are just – playing at flat-out stud levels. That's true. And although Gimmel did get beat, he came out late in, uh, when, it, when he was dropping the cover. on the, He was lined up on the right. He was supposed to come out to the left and, and cover a guy. And DeVito had him for one of the best completions they had yesterday. But, yeah, you're right. Gimmel is playing at a high level. And, you know, we were talking about – Jason was just talking about that the – uh, two interior linemen, Vahasek, you know, who bowling balled uh, DeVito in the backfield using a Syracuse offensive lineman. Um, and uh, Tamari Fox aren't quite at the level of Crawford and, and Strobridge at this point. But you have to think about everybody else on the team, including Gimmel, uh, Surratt, um, Tamon Fox, you know, the entire backfield. Uh, and then you look at the depth that they now have. I'm going to be interested to look at what the uh, snap counts look like tomorrow. We'll have those up on Inside Carolina at some point, uh, courtesy right. of PFF. They're actually up now. Are uh, they up now? Greg uh, got them up now. Tamari Fox, 44. Vahasek, 37. Um, so far less than the Strobridge yeah. and Crawford levels. Yeah, they were. Yeah, those they guys were, were averaging 95. 60 snaps a game last year. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I'd like I, – what, what does it say, Tommy, since you're looking at it, like guys like uh, Quadri Jackson and Asante and guys like that? Yeah, so you have uh, – just so we go through them, you got Gimmel and Surratt had 60 apiece, or 61 for Gimmel, 60 for Surratt. Uh, Kadre Jackson, you've seen Eugene Asante, 14 for Asante, 13 for Jackson. Um, the building the depth thing, to your point here, is, is 
is something that Bateman's going to be able to work on these first two weeks. And I, I was actually going to mention Asante because you said two linebackers, and I was going to say I, I saw three that really yeah. on that front in terms of inside backers that really stood out to me because I thought Asante looked really good. Uh, I thought uh, Kyler McMichael. Uh, yeah, he was the other guy I was going to call out because I thought he, he looked like the best defensive back out there. And they just got so they would not mess with him. You know, they just stayed away from his side of the field. Um, you know, Storm Duck made a few good plays. There's a time or two, you know, he could have gotten burned and I, DeVito just wasn't on the money, but uh, Storm Duck looked really good. Um, Trey Morrison, that's uh, Greg Barnes's guy. Um, you know, everybody, all of those guys are a year better and um, they're not asking as much from the Hasek and Fox tomorrow as they did of Strobridge and uh, uh, Crawford. So I'm feeling more optimistic, really, um, not based on, you know, them playing Syracuse, but just thinking about it overall in terms of, uh, yes, they're going to have to prove that. Uh, and Fahasek did command a double team or two yesterday as well. They're going to have to prove that those guys can be who you want them to in the interior of that defense because mostly, basically they played a 2-4-5 all day yesterday. I mean, they kept a nickel in on every snap. So, um, Tech, The thing about the, calling that a 2-4-5, I think that's – I mean, it was really more of a, it's really more of a 4-2-5 given the personnel because, I mean, uh, I think – Tomlin Fox, for example, is much more – Tomlin Fox is more of, a, um, of an end than he is, you know, a, a, an outside linebacker in a lot of ways, 260 pounds. So, I mean, they're really – they really ran essentially a 4-2-5. It's just in their personnel, it's a 2-4-5 in terms of what they label these guys. But, right. Uh, but for the most part, that's what they were in. And I think that's going to be their, their base all year. One thing that stood out to me, and, and Jason, I'll let you comment on this. It, you know, the, the worries with the pandemic and all that, and guys being able to get ready for the season, physically, North Carolina players impressed me. The look test. Um, it looked like all of them had really improved their bodies from a – from at least visually. And I think that speaks worlds to the, to the program Mac Brown is building, but also to coach Hess and that staff, especially given what 2020 has been like since, you know, for the past six months. Yeah. I mean, and I, I've been very clear since uh, getting a chance to be around Hess a little bit that I, I think he's, he's stud. Uh, they, Carolina has one of the best uh, strength coaches in the country with, with him. And, uh, and he needs to be kept around pretty much at all costs. But I think that that stood out. And it also shows the buy-in of your team. Mm -hmm. So, it's, and as you mentioned, especially with all of the pandemic stuff and everything else and the limitations that you've had in terms of being able to get guys in for workouts on normal schedules and everything, these guys did their jobs. They did their work. And that's, that's in a time where they – if you want to make an excuse to not be in there and do it and you know you're not always able to be in there 
you want to make an excuse, this, is the, this was the, the perfect time to be able to do that. And I didn't see any, a whole lot of evidence of that. I did think the offensive line, and, and I know we're on the defensive side right now, but I did think the offensive line, a few of those guys looked a little overweight to me. Um, you know, there, there, there needs to be a little bit of in-season dieting perhaps. But other than that, I mean, that I, I think, I think the, the whole team by and large looked – they pass the eye test in terms of what you expect from, from a team that's going to realistically be in every ball game this year. But your thoughts there, I mean, there've been plenty of times where Carolina looked physically outmatched over the last few years. It wasn't the case when Matt Brown was here the first time. Um, but that's, what's been impressive to me. And we talked about it, you know, the whole past six months, we talked about it on the pregame show, like Jason said, the buy-in from the players. And it's, you know, staying healthy as far as the pandemic stuff. It's the, the doing the work in the offseason, the strength and conditioning. Because when you look around the country, uh, I mean, I haven't seen a program, not saying Carolina's the best team in the country. Do not mistake <laughs> these comments for that. But as far as the program being in the best shape on a whole, given what they have, I think Carolina, from watching ball games this weekend, especially Carolina's and in, in hearing the news about Virginia Tech, Virginia, and all these teams having to bail on games. I mean, I think Mac Brown's got this crowd in, in a in a good place, Buck. And you know, to see him on the in week one, I think sort of sort of fleshes that out a little bit. Um, but am I crazy? Am I ahead of the? Am I putting uh, too many eggs in that basket? Well, I'm glad you gave me a second question instead of the first question because the first question would be very easy to answer. Yeah, you are crazy. <laughs> but um, the, uh, the putting too many eggs in one basket, you know, there's been times, Tommy, when both of us, we've talked. And, you know, especially at the beginning of a season, the first games that are being played, and we'll, you know, watch uh, an SEC game. And it doesn't have to be a super powerhouse SEC team. It could just be, you know, whoever. And we'll watch them play, and then we'll watch North Carolina play, and it doesn't look like you're looking at the same division of football. Uh, you know, their players just look uh, more athletic and more physical, and it's just played at a different level. And I think North Carolina is getting there. And uh, one thing that I think, in addition to the, you know, how they passed the look test, I think this is a noticeably faster team. Um, I think there's more speed on this team than we've seen, especially on defense, um, than we have seen in a while. That uh, They've got some guys out there that can run. Uh, and, and that's not something that we've seen a lot of. Uh, you know, we've seen it in, you know, here, there, spurts, whatever. But you'd have to go back uh, to at least the Butch Davis days. Um, and I, th I think the speed on this team is comparable to those Butch Davis teams. Jason, last side of the – last question about the defense before we take a break and, and move to the offensive side. We mentioned Kyler McMichael earlier. Um, 
the defensive secondary, I, I think with a good quarterback wearing a Syracuse uniform, they score at least 14, 21 points. Uh, there, were, there were some drops. There were some missed passes. Um, to that, Kyler McMichael looked like the guy he was recruited to Clemson to be on Saturday. Oh, yeah. He was a guy I definitely wanted to talk about here. I mean, I, I, and I think it's that much more important because I think from what we saw of Patrice Rene, he's still not fully recovered. And, you know, I, I think the world of Rene, I think Rene's a really good player, but this gives them the luxury of, of being able to not push him back earlier than he's really ready to be able to be the player that he needs to be because, quite frankly, McMichael looked great. Uh, and those those corners are really coached well. I mean, you got to tip your hat to to Dre Bly as well because you can see there are a couple places where you got a guy that's slightly out of phase and downfield against a guy, and his his corners the last couple of years they just don't panic, and that's that's coached into them. That's something that they do a really good job of, and that that's got to be a serious coaching a coaching point for for Dre and that staff because uh, it's something that you see consistently from their group. So, uh, you know, tip the cap there, but they've got some, they've got some dudes on the outside and that, that they did not have that last year after Renee's injury. And now they, they actually have some opportunities there. I mean, you did see Trey Morrison get, uh, get shaken pretty bad on the one that should have been a touchdown, but cooked. he got cooked. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> he got, that was not a, that was not a good look, but, uh, and there, there were a few other little, little loose things in coverage that they'll clean up. But overall, you know, that, that's, that secondary is a good step forward in terms of, uh, of giving Jay Bateman the flexibility to do a lot of the things that he wants to do as a coordinator. Now, the one, th one other thing that I should mention that, that stood out to me at different points in the game is I did think that, there's, that despite the eye test, despite the fact that they looked physically the way that I, th I think, generally speaking, a Carolina defense should, I did think that there was, and this I think is to a large degree still the result of a lot of the limitations from COVID and not having the spring and all that. I thought they looked soft at times in terms of laying the lumber as in tackling. And in some of those aspects, there were things that defensively, I can tell you right now, Jay Bateman's not going to be real happy about how they tackled at different points. Uh, there, there, there are a couple guys that last year, the real knock on them, uh, and I'll, I'll call the, the best player on the defense out on this as well. I mean, Chaz Surratt missed a couple tackles that you just can't miss. If you're that dude, you can't miss those tackles. And, you know, you got both arms on him, you got your shoulder on him, and you let him slide off like that, you can't do that. And there were still some times where guys were catching instead of delivering the blow. And that's something that really needs to, needs to change for this defense to take the next step forward which I think they took a nice step forward in this game against a bad offense. They did to a bad offense what a good defense is supposed to do. But when they start playing better offenses, they're going to need to be able to impose their will. And part of that is showing that you're the dominant, more physical player. There's an attitude aspect to defense that you need to bring. You need to bring that, that lumber. And they didn't do that enough for my taste. And I can tell you right now that, that the tackling aspect of things and just the overall physicality, playing with an edge is something that Jay Bateman wants to see. And I, don't, I didn't see that. So if there's a negative there, 
I think that's the negative on defense is you need to see that defense play with more of a chip on their shoulder and a little bit more, uh, a good bit more of playing on that edge of playing through guys instead of, of catching them and, and definitely not missing so many dang tackles. I think that's a uh, absolute fair point. And I think, I think it's a function of um, still getting there. I think it's a function of good, good gracious. We've seen, We've seen some awful tackling across the college football landscape this weekend. and, and It was to be expected. Teams haven't hit. Yep. Yeah. And you look at the, the Navy game. Good gracious. You know, they didn't hit all the whole time, and the coach regretted that decision. And I, I will mention this. Clemson looked legit last night against Wake Forest. If, if, what do you expect? Yep. Yeah, and and that's, that's the goal. People don't like to hear that, but that's the goal for this Carolina team to look like. Let's take a short break. Let me talk about Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Certainly great sponsors of Inside Carolina podcast, great friends of Inside Carolina, locally owned and operated. They are always at your beck and call if you need Carolina gear, both online and on Franklin Street. 20% off sales on the regular. And then you get these emails and they tell you we, we're having sales on Nike gear or on jerseys or anything you need. And then if you're inside Carolina premium subscriber, of course you get 10% off your everyday order. I was waiting for the Jason Staples. Mm. There it is. Uh. <laughs> A little much mm. fellas, Johnny t-shirt, Johnny t-shirt.com. You need to visit them. You need to get your Carolina gear. One day there'll be fans in Keenan stadium. And you'll need to get some new Carolina gear to sport the Tar Heels when you get that chance. Or wear at your home tailgate. Anything. Johnny T-shirt. JohnnyT-shirt.com. Take another short break. Pay the bills on a national level. We'll be right back with more The Day After podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back. It's the day after. Buck Sanders, Jason Staples, join me, Tommy Ashley. Uh, 31-6, Syracuse goes Wait, down. I, to, I think you mean Danny Ashley. Oh, uh, man, I have finally got it right. <laughs> I will listen to people listening to this one that didn't. I was preparing for Syracuse, and for some reason, the TV was up on uh, Kelly Clarkston's show, and she's interviewing for Danny some DeVito reason. for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> for uh, – and so uh, it was meant to be. I will gladly report that during the pregame show on CHL and 97.9, I did not say Danny DeVito once. Didn't do it. That's professional, Jason. I was able <laughs> to hold it together. 
Buck, I'm going to let you come in first on the offensive side. 31 points against Syracuse. Yes, I had it 59. Uh, I did not think Syracuse would score a touchdown, so there is that. Uh, but Sam Howell, I heard maybe Taylor Vipolis or – no, 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 no. I'm not going to corner Taylor on that. I, was, I got a text from a former Carolina guy that said it looked like Sam was trying to win the Heisman in game one. Maybe that's extreme. Maybe not, Buck. But how do you think the uh, the sophomore played on Saturday against Syracuse? I, I don't know that I would go that far. Um I do think that Syracuse did a really good job, uh, best I've seen, really, at keeping um, the deep ball off of uh, North Carolina's menu of things that they could go to. Uh, they just decided to sell out against the deep ball. And I, I do think that really frustrated Sam uh, and that, uh, you know, he, he maybe have got an attitude that, well, I'm going to show you, you know, that, uh, you know, I, I can do whatever I want to do kind of thing and throw the ball in some tight windows. You know, I think this is something that guilt that Lawrence, uh, Trevor Lawrence was guilty of. Uh, and then during his sophomore campaign that all of a sudden he decided uh, that he wanted to throw the ball in some tight windows at the very beginning of the year. Uh, more so than, um, you know, later on. But anyway, uh, it, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say he was trying to win the Heisman. Uh, I didn't think he made good decisions at times when in choosing whether to run the ball or not. Um, and there's some other things he probably could have done differently. But – I'm going to chalk it up to Syracuse just deciding that we're going to sell out and, and we're not going to let you have anything deep. Um, and North Carolina's wide receivers and their secondary to their credit did have enough athletes uh, back there to, you know, kind of help prevent how from being able to get deep on them. So yeah, that, that's kind of the direction I would go. Jason, pregame you mentioned things you wanted to see from how and how he had progressed from year one to year two um, Syracuse did have an all-american back there in Cisco and he got one um, easy easy fly ball to center field interception for Cisco on that play but we talked a little bit off air about Howell's performance so I'm gonna let you grade him out this is your wheelhouse and um, I thought he could have uh, checked down more and had a field day and Michael Carter if you have Michael Carter in PPR leagues in fantasy you're burning it up because that kid was special yesterday uh, but Sam Howell's performance Jason I'd give him a solid C wow from um, the professor yeah I mean it's sort of to be expected against a, a defense where they didn't really know what to expect coming in. So it's not just that that defense sold out to stop Howell, which they did, but it's a 3-3 defense, which is already a little bit tricky in terms of some of the stuff that they do. But they weren't sure what, to, what, to, what they'd see. And I think you saw that, that there were some places where he got, he got fooled a little, a little bit. The, the throw that you mentioned where, you know, it's a high fly ball to center field situation was one of those where I think he got fooled and he got greedy. And they were trying to 
trying to get him greedy. I mean, that's what they were, that's what they were aiming for. And I think he settled down. Once you got in the second half, I think he settled down and started taking more of what, what was given. But I mean, he's a gunslinger mentality and that tendency to want to take a little bit more is going to be something he's going to have to fight and have to manage all year. Because last year, teams, you got to remember, last year he was a freshman quarterback and teams were coming into those games, especially early in the year, saying, we're going to make Sam Howell beat us. Well, he, he had some success in those games. This year, it's the opposite. And this is what we talked about in, in a prior episode in terms of how you, were, you brought up, is, is the pressure on Howell going to be something that is going to really impact his sophomore year? You know, we're looking at a potential sophomore, some potential sophomore struggles due to some of those, you know, pushing to win a Heisman or, you know, trying to live up to the pressure. And I don't think that's as much of what we're going to see as teams have tape on you. There's a year of this is what he likes to do. This is what he does best. So let's take that away and let's see how he, let's see how good his left hand is. (laughs) for a basketball metaphor like man he's really good going right all right so we're going to take the right side of the court away every time he gets the ball we're going to force him we're going to see how he does move into his left and that that was something that we saw we saw in game one that's what Syracuse did is they made sure that he did not have those free vertical shots it was not a situation where you had one-on-ones where a guy where where Carolina's receivers had a good chance at 50-50 balls on those fade routes that he, that he threw all year last year. And they, they played over the top and said, you're going to have to settle down and take those check downs all game. We'll see how patient you're willing to be. Now, here's the thing. If you're Sam Howell, that's ideal because it's easy to throw those little check downs to Michael Carter and <laughs> you just keep racking up stats. So that's good. If, he, if, if everybody's going to do that against Howell all year and he just decides to be willing to take what's free, then he could have some filthy numbers once again by the end of the year. But this was a good game to remind him that this is not last year. You're not going to see the same looks that you did last year. You're going to see some different things. And teams are going to try to take away what you like, what, what you had the most success with last year. That's just the way this is. It's like, again, to use a baseball metaphor – you got the pitcher who's got all the readout on, you know, what all the, what the, um, what the hitter hits well. And, you know, you, you're going to want to make sure you locate in those blue zones. You don't want to throw in those red and orange zones. You're going to just keep throwing that down and in slider because he only hits 10% of that. And so you're just going to keep pounding that. And the guy's going to have to show that he can finally hit that ball. And, you know, teams have the book on Howell. And that's what makes the sophomore year so hard is after you have a great freshman year, because freshman year, you're, in, you're unknown. Sophomore year, teams have pulled you apart for a full off season, and now they're going to come in and, and throw a bunch of stuff at you. And this one was a, a really hard one because they're not only doing, not only are they doing that, but you also don't know what they're going to do because of the new, new defensive coordinator. So I would give him a solid, I, I'd probably bump it to a C plus because I think he recovered some and, and did well in the, in the second half. But I did think that he got greedy a few times and, and tried to force the ball, tried to push the ball in places where that stuff was probably going to be there last year. But I want to see him really come down, check down more often, 
and be a lot smoother in terms of recognizing, oh, here's what I see. I just got to get it out and get it down now. There were just too many cases where I, I didn't see quite as much quick process, just get the ball out to your check down. And, they were, and those guys were there a lot. And so, uh, you know, I think there's good room to grow, but, you know, th that's the kind of game you want to have a room to grow situation where <laughs> you win 31 to six and, uh, and you, you're coming in with, you know, your C plus game. That, that's, that's a good sign. Indeed it is. Buck, um, we talked in, in the game plan podcast and those that everybody wanted to see Javante Williams, Michael Carter, nonstop. And I said, nah, Longo loves to throw it and they're going to throw it no matter what. But that said, Michael Carter, I said just a second ago, looked fantastic. I mean, he looks faster. He looks more decisive running. I, I, he's my favorite player on the offense, I'll be honest. He, he does so many things. And then you have Javante Williams coming in. Uh, the running attack is in good hands, Buck, is it not? Well, here's the thing that should be talked about in, in when you get to that point of the program is um, red zone issues appear to have disappeared. Mm -hmm. They have figured out, hey, why don't we hand the ball to Javante when, you know, <laughs> we're, when we're down there around the, you know, the four or five yard line. There was still was one trip where play. they didn't do that, and I got upset, I can tell you that, because yep. they had a chance where it was like third and, third and six maybe from about the – what nine yard line or so it was like just hand it off to him one more time and now you get fourth and two and you can do the same thing and if he doesn't score on the first one and they got cute and tried to run that little uh that little under boot you know with the with to the uh to the it's a it's a little slip play to the h back and tripped and wound up with a sack and it's like you know it's still there a little bit. I mean, they, they could have done it, and they could have done it one more time. But, yeah, that's a good learning experience. Just hand it to that dude. And, and there will be, you know, situations where North Carolina is playing a much stouter defense uh, as well in them goal line situations. But uh, they didn't show a lot of hesitation yesterday um, as it got, you know, into the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, hey, why don't we just hand this ball to uh, 25 and, and see where that gets us. So, uh, but yeah, the running game is in good shape. Uh, one of the things I was hoping for is that North Carolina would be, have a sufficient lead in the fourth quarter so that uh, to start a fourth quarter uh, where they scored 21 points you know, to get to 31 that we could see them try to build some depth at running back um, because, you know, they're not going to have Michael Carter next year and they may not have Javante. I'd be a little surprised if they do. Um, now don't everybody hit me up on the message board and suggest I'm trying to get uh, Javante Williams to leave. I'm just saying that that's, you know, one of the things that could be in his brain if he has a, you know, a thousand yard season and, you know, all kinds of accolades and looks as good as he did in game one. So, you know, they're going to be one of the things you're going to be looking at, what we're going to be talking about at the start of, of 21, if Carter and Williams aren't there is who's going to carry the rock. And I don't think we know that yet. Uh, so, 
you know, I, I'd like to see them start working on that a little bit when they have an opportunity. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's hard to say no. If you've got Michael Carter and Javante and you've got your pick of which one you want to put in the game, it's hard to reach back to number three and say, hey, why don't you come in? You know, unless it gets to a situation where the outcome is no longer in doubt. But uh, that, that's one of the things I like. Maybe hopefully they'll get to do that next week uh, is uh, and give some of these young guys a chance. Uh, DJ Jones and Elijah Green, you know, see what they can do. You never know. Did we really know all there was to know about Javante Williams? Uh, the first game of his freshman, true freshman year. We did not. Uh, so, anyway, I'll throw that in. And one other thing, if you'll mind me a small interlude here. Hey, you're the president. Um, you know, when we were talking about uh, them not being nasty enough or having an edge on defense um, enough, and, and I don't disagree with that, but I just want to remind everybody of the years gone by when we saw the North Carolina defense, run defense, get gashed for six, seven, eight yards by everybody from Delaware to you name it. The two running backs that were on that played, and again, they were the third and fourth option on a team that didn't have any great running backs. Their longest run, both of them, was six yards. Their longest run of the day was six yards. So it, the defense maybe not have rattled their molars when they hit them, but they got them on the ground. And, you know, I'll take that as a starting point. Uh, if, you know, just – want to remind people that what we're looking at now, and this goes to how expectations change, um, what we're looking at now is just different than what we saw against some of those uh, UNC defenses uh, that were continually gashed over and over and over again in the run game. Talk, that is straight talk from a man that is – um, still have some PTSD from past Carolina defenses. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't disagree. Looking at the stats, and if I could share my screen and not mess up this Zoom call uh, for the YouTube people, Syracuse 1.9 yards of rush. And to the point where I said Longo likes to throw it a lot, Carolina 35 passes, 35 rushes. Um, so stats end up telling the story sometimes and sometimes they don't but I hear certainly agree to what you said Buck and then maybe disagree to what I said about Longo likes to throw it a lot let's let's round the bend here fellas and I'll let you each um, get a get a word in here I'll start with you Jason what needs to be worked on um, short concise answers on one side of the defense or, or excuse me one on the defensive side one on the offensive side and the area that we didn't even touch in the preseason too much, certainly not on the pregame show, uh, is special teams. I think we probably could spend 30 minutes on special teams. But uh, give, me, give me what you want to see better Saturday against Charlotte, Jason. Um, I think the first thing is, is better communication up front. 
I think they've got a lot of talent. This is on offense. I think they got a lot of talent on the offensive line, but there were times where there's just still some, still some cleanup that you need to do where there was some pressure at different points or some, there were some leaks in the run game that were, that were the result of maybe a, a little twist or some sort of, some sort of stunt or that sort of thing from the defensive front and guys up front weren't passing that off correctly all the time. Still some, some cleanup in terms of that uh, up front. And, and you need to see that really get dialed in so that you're not just letting the guy as a, you know, come in as a free runner at your quarterback or whatever. So that's the biggest thing is, is make sure that those guys are completely assignment sound and where they need to be on the offensive line. And the second one, and I'm going to go number, I'm going to go with two on offense. The second one is just take the free stuff, Sam. Take the free, take the free stuff that, that you're being offered when they're taking away your number one, just come off of it right away and get it, get it to the guy that's got to be open. That's got to be free. Uh, So those two things. And then on defense, it's tackling. It's just straight up physicality and get guys on the ground and get them on the ground with a little bit of aggression. And, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't take the blow, deliver the blow to me that that's the one thing that the defense continues to lack and they need to, to demonstrate that they're going to be the, that kind of physical get in your face defense beyond just being a well-schemed and fundamentally sound defense. You've got it. You've got to play on edge. And I, I want to see that from, from this Carolina defense. Buck, close it out. Well, what I'd like to see on Saturday is for North Carolina to stay just as vanilla on offense as they possibly can the entire game. What I'd like to see on defense from North Carolina on Saturday is to stay just as vanilla on defense as they possibly can. (laughs) Uh, And uh, get a lead and build some depth uh, on both sides of the ball. One person I didn't want to give a shout out to, though, from I know we, you mentioned that we hadn't really discussed uh, special teams, but here's a name that nobody has spoken probably this entire off season, uh, who was perfect yesterday, Jonathan Kim, mm-hmm. kickoff guy, kicked off six times, kicked six touchbacks, and. Hey, people do not understand, I don't think, how big of a weapon that is. Uh, if, if you could keep the other team from having any kind of opportunity to have a kickoff return, that takes one headache off your plate. Especially given how they covered punts a couple times. Yeah. You know, I mean, in theory, uh, for kickoffs, all you need is uh, Jonathan Kim out there, Kim out there to kick the ball off. Everybody else can stay on the sideline. <laughs> Um, because they're not going to have to tackle anybody. So, you know, I, I did want to mention Jonathan Kim. And, you know, he has such a good leg. If, if they could ever get him straightened out, and he might be an option on – I know they tried, I think, last year to kick some long field goals. But, uh, I mean, he was booting it, you know, to the back of the end zone almost every kickoff. Yep, definitely a weapon there. Uh, I thought Grayson Atkins – Look good, uh, you know, hook the long one a little bit, but definitely has the leg. Got to shore up the punt coverage and all that. I thought Daz Newsom was ridiculous returning punts. As long Except as he the can, one he dropped. I was going to say, catch it. when he catches it, he, he's pretty dangerous. I'm not sure I like 
seeing a number one receiver out there doing that, but you play your best players. Buck and Jason, it's always a pleasure. It's always fun when we talk about North Carolina wins, especially when they're, they're wins that there's plenty to talk about to get better at. And I think Carolina, uh, you get a win in the, col- in the win column, a, a one in the win column, and you still have plenty to work on Saturday going in against UNC Charlotte. Or excuse me, Charlotte. Don't text me or call me if you're a Charlotte fan. I understand it's Charlotte 49ers or Charlotte Niners or – Whatever it is. Get it to you, They are going to call you. I know, yeah. They will call me. It's always fun, guys. Appreciate y'all taking the time. Uh, on a Sunday Tommy morning. As always. Yeah. Johnny T-shirt. Sunday, Johnny. Thanks, Sunday morning thanks, tradition Danny. continues. Yeah. Thank you, Jared. Thanks, uh, Danny. Uh, Johnny T-shirt, com. Thank you guys for being our great sponsors. We'll all talk again soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bad. Do average between 9 and 11. God, shit. What'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.